take a trip with us to New Park. Just promise not to drink the goo. If you get sucked into the matrix, we will send a phone for you. Do you believe in fate? But every movie has a plot hole. And every hole gets filled somehow. Whiskey, wine, or blue milk. Just don't cut me off right now. With a Club of two, we're the plotaholics, ripping plots apart for you. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Plotaholics Podcast. I am Shane Wilson and I'm joined as always by my partner in the effort to deregulate tapioca, Brian Tan. Tapioca sucks and it should not be a thing. It it does suck. The pudding, right? Is there anything that tapioca is that is not pudding? Um, human behavior? Tapioca? Like I can say someone's acting very tapioca. Mm-hmm. I think so. Why not? Tapioca is a starch extracted from the storage roots of the cassava plant, a species native to the north and central west regions of Brazil, but whose use is now spread throughout South America. Wow. So I guess um, something new every day on the Plotaholics podcast. Yeah. So tapioca is uh is made of some root some brazilian root and then yeah. i don't know how the pudding part is uh is made well they they, they put it through the puddle process oh you know i think that they use tapioca in that like bubble tea ew no wonder I don't um it. and it like that's the that may be the 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 balls in it the, well, the tea right. balls um but anyway, uh, Mr. Tan, this week we are uh, discussing the new-ish release from Netflix. This is a pretty new release, yeah. This came out April 30th, so it's about a month old. Yeah, and it has stayed in the Netflix top 10 since its release. It's still there. It's number 10 when I watched it yesterday. It was number 9 when I when I finished watching it this morning. Ah, so it must have been my view that pushed it over the top. What, how do you know it wasn't my view? that pushed it <laughs> it was probably our collective views okay i'm down with that um but yes yeah, so uh it has been uh, a bit of a hit for netflix for sure it's also as we mentioned uh in past episodes from the same studio that did into the spider-verse and the lego movie and the lego movie yeah and um i think that you can i think that the uh, into the Spider-Verse comparisons are probably pretty fair in terms of animation. Kind of, but not really to me. The one thing I was just getting ready to comment that I really enjoyed is that it may have been the same studio, but you don't see 
a lot of a pattern. Like, you know how, yeah, like, so, Hannah, when you watch a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, you know you're watching Hanna-Barbera. You know right. you're watching Mary Melodies. When you're but watching Pixar, th- you know you're watching Pixar. Right. But in this, it looks just like its own thing that it's its own thing. But you can see, like, you've got to really be watching. But even when you're really just watching, the only real bits of it are like the little things, like the little emojis and everything that they throw in for um, for comedic purposes. Right? Yeah, I'll say this uh, for and this is why I think this film is like obviously from that same studio is all three of these movies that you mentioned uh, into the Spider-Verse, the Lego movie and uh, the Mitchells versus the machines. All three of these movies crackle with life, right? Like the animation is so alive that it's there's more happening on the screen in every frame than just a character talking right. or doing whatever. Like the, these, and that's the case in in all three of these titles. And the, I mean, the Lego Movie, the first Lego Movie was so good, and they do such a nice job of mixing media, right? So in Lego, you get, you know, the live action sequences. Uh, intercut with the CGI stuff and into the spider verse, you have borderline uh, like comic book panels interspersed with the CGI stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here too, you have very different kinds of, of animation sort of overlaid on each other and cut in with some live action stuff as well, right. which I think is really cool. Yeah. And I'll tell you the truth. Um, there's a reason why this is certified fresh with a 98% on the tomato and the tomato meter over there on a rotten tomatoes. Um, I was a little bit surprised by the audience score. I thought it would be higher. Um, I'm also shocked by the IMDB rating of this film. Again, I thought it would be higher. Yeah. But, but I, at the same token, I understand because this film takes a lot of classic tropes and just puts fresh paint on them. You know, yeah. you, you can put a can you can put a Snickers bar in a brand new wrapper. It's still a Snickers bar for sure. And this is uh, nothing more than a family road trip story. Right. It's it's basically it's it's the classic um, eccentric child that does not see eye to eye with their parent. And there's some sort of event that forces them to work together. And yeah, to now see given, each other and appreciate each other. Given That's, the robot uprising is probably a bit more dramatic than what happens in other stories of this flair. I kind of wish it would have been a zombie apocalypse, but okay. Well, uh, I mean, do you really need another zombie movie? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not like are you at that point now like i think that's how the zombies win honestly <laughs> when <laughs> when you've over when you've become overwhelmed by so many that you're just like huh oh, all right well this is fine yeah this, this is, is fine, fine. <laughs> everything's fine everything's fine i mean um, i mean but i mean that's not to say that this film isn't funny it's it's funny and it's i think winning. it's well done it's, it's, it's very it's, well done it's well done the the voice cast which we'll get into in a little bit is it's very well cast it, it truly is because i mean this movie finally made me like danny mcbride i don't like danny mcbride there's something about him that's very off-putting for me yeah i mean it's probably the it's probably the roles that you see him take yeah i um, think so i think uh, yeah you see, when you see danny mcbride in interviews when he's not playing a character like kenny powers or or whoever it is like he's a very different kind of person and he spent most of his career kind of lampooning the South. Like he was raised in South Carolina mm-hmm. and most okay. of his characters are designed to 
like make fun of that culture and that and the ignorance that pervades a lot of those uh subcultures you know correct indeed i can get down with and that. they they can be hard to watch they can be very off-putting because I, especially kenny powers is like an incredibly abrasive character but uh i think that his work on the righteous gemstones is very good i'm noticing that there's a lot of things i'll give that a try to see if maybe you know maybe it's just me being a fuddy-duddy you know maybe i'm just overly excessive well and i mean like i said he plays characters that you know because because he's trying to sort of satirize southern ideals his characters are often racist uh or at least like uh guilty of all kinds of like microaggressions and things like that um and that i think is something that the that danny mcbride the person is completely aware of right um, and and is trying to make fun of in the way that Colbert used to make fun of uh, conservative blowhards by becoming one. Right. Right. Um, no, I it's not, you. it's that not for sense. everybody. Uh, it's not, it, it's not. And I'll tell you the truth though. He is really, really like, I really love his character in this. I love, yeah. I, I mean, I know you said we'll, we'll come to this in a bit. I sort of segued us away from it, but um the characterization of this film, the one thing that I will say is that this film, and it's a credit to the writing team, I think, they know, like, and we've talked about this before, that there's very few things that you're going to do that hasn't been done before. Right. So what do you do? You embrace the fact that you're not reinventing the wheel and you make it your own. Right. And they've done a an better amazing, wheel. <laughs> right. And you're doing a great, and they do a great job with these characters because the one thing is, even though some of these characters are tropey, they're still amazing characters. Katie Mitchell is such a cool character. She's a great character. Um, and we can go ahead and, and dig into this cast if you want to. Um, I think that, that, that Katie Mitchell is, is a really refreshing take on that like eccentric child trope that you that you mentioned earlier all right yeah and there isn't a and i love the fact that they didn't go the route of the siblings hating each other because this film also has a really really heavy sort of it feels like it sort of borrows a little bit from son-in-law where you know the family goes on the cross-country trip to take the older sister to college but instead of having the brother and sister fighting all the time Uh uh-huh they're super close. Right. And I really like that because this film did not need a disconnect between parent and child and sibling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, okay. I, I really love, uh, the, the little brother, um, Aaron Mitchell is such a great character. He's so funny. He, his love of dinosaurs and the way that, uh, whenever the, the neighbor's daughter like shares that love of dinosaurs with him and he freaks out he like falls in love with her right and just it's like never mind i hate you for everything i said goodbye never say right? i was like that's too real man like <laughs> as a kid i was just like that kid i loved that i love dinosaurs first of all as a little kid i still mm-hmm. think dinosaurs are pretty dope now although i think science is trying to ruin dinosaurs by putting feathers on them uh but yeah can't 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 you just let us just enjoy things like why can't they just be scary but at the same time yeah they probably 
did have feathers and that checks out and um, i mean i'm okay with that but you know what can't we just have them as the big scaly lizards yeah i mean that's why we have kaiju movies right uh, i prefer we, big scary lizards, scaly lizards big scaly lizards mm-hmm. um but the and then like his relationship with uh the neighbor's daughter the uh posey's kid Haley posey is that mm-hmm. no 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 yeah. abby posey abby why did I, um, I i why did i go along with you and say oh, Haley? well Haley's. The oh because Haley's the mom that's right that's yeah, right yeah abby posey uh who is like just this adorable little girl who also loves dinosaurs and he falls in love instantly and then freaks out and like does that thing that little boys do you know like there are all these old comics where little boys that would have a crush on a girl would like throw pine cones at him or whatever right Um, it's that typical oh he just does that because he likes you right and he's just and he does like her and is smitten uh especially by their common interest and it's nice because you know he's worried uh you know he's this is one thing that I like about this studio is that no one is really a set piece, really like everyone has some sort of a purpose in the story. Right. Um, And even though he's the little brother and it would be easy to just kind of write him off as that he is struggling too with losing a sister. Right. Uh, Right. That he's losing his best friend. But at the same token, his whole thing is also, he just wants, his sister and his dad, he wants his sister to see what he sees in their dad. And it's almost like, I really like how him and the mom played masterfully by Maya. Everything Maya Rudolph is in. I want to see. Yeah. Let's just get, let's just get that out of the way now. Well, it's like, it's, I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, this cast is flush with that Maya Rudolph, um, Fred Armisen energy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, I really, well, and we have to definitely talk about Olivia Coleman. Um, when I heard her voice, I was like, that sounds like Doris from Hot Fuzz. And I was like, oh my God, it's Doris from Hot Fuzz. Little girl on girl. Yeah, right. So <laughs> Olivia Coleman plays uh, the- Pal. Yeah, plays Pal, who is essentially Siri. Um, yeah. AI interface, like personal assistant interface in the cell phone and the company at the center of, of the robot uprising um, is run by Mark, uh, who is played by Eric Andre. Dr. Mark Bowen. Basically, this movie is telling us that Apple is going to lead the, uh, the, the machine uprising. Yeah, because what happens is uh, he essentially creates robot personal assistants. Um, and I thought the easiest way around this would be to just create like a dock for Pal to sit in the robot. Um, you know, like, why did you have to build a whole new interface? Like you already had pal just create a robot docking bay for it. And then you, and then pal doesn't get upset because pal doesn't feel tossed to the side because ultimately what happens is pal is replaced by these robots and And then she pissed. Yeah. And pal hacks into the mainframe essentially and turns off all the safeguards and then takes over the robot mechanisms. Yep. Um, and essentially takes over the planet. And those scenes, I'll tell you, the scenes that to me are the most visually striking are the robot scenes, right? This, this, the horizon with the pods like floating toward those giant transports. And then the final scene that looked like an album cover. Like when they, <laughs> it looks like a journey over, album cover. It actually <laughs> legitimately does look like a journey album cover. It really does. But What's it's an album? right but it's that gorgeous me off. like that- those scenes are so gorgeous and 
old man, there aren't any albums anymore. <laughs> Sadly enough, no. But I'll tell you the truth, though. That was not, well, what was really kind of making me mad, though, was sort of the, and I had to remind myself yet again, it's a cartoon film. You cannot put logic and reason on these things. Because I'm like, huh, so now everybody is dead. You saved the humankind and everyone is dead now. Oh, wait, it's a cartoon. They survived these things. Why is everybody dead? Um, When they finally, um, when everything sort of comes to fruition and the the docking stations that the people are in to be launched into space are um, dismantled. And it's like, all right, you should be dead now. The impact should kill you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, but those pods would were designed for sp- for inner space travel. Like, you don't think they could handle falling on the ground? I mean, not from that high up. I mean, you see what happened when Sokovia fell. Um, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like, they should have probably been injured. But yeah, I mean, my my whole thought was if those things are really that tall, like. The people at the top, even when they fell over and they were shorter, the people at the top had a long way to climb down. Right. And the people at the bottom should instantly be dead. But once again, I'm taking it way too serious and way too literal. Yeah. I mean, and I know this. And I, 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 and and you, you, you take like a harder logical stance on these things than you do some comic book films. Yeah, I do. I, I, I admit this wholeheartedly. Well, because with comic book films, you know, oh, well, you know, people are tougher than that, and blah, 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 but they're not falling from that height, and Captain America's made to do stuff like, and it makes my head hurt to really try to put logic to it, even when I try to devil's advocate it. I, yeah, just, I, need mean, to, I just need to stop and enjoy it. I mean, every every story on some level is allegorical, right, and metaphorical, and um, you know, if we were to get a gritty version of I mean, just go watch iRobot if you want that movie, right? Very, very, very true. Very true. Because that's the only real difference between these is that one is supposed to be sort of a lighthearted comedy, um, family comedy. And the other one is if this really happened, Will Smith would save us all with right. his robot arm. Yeah, this film, Mitchells versus the Machines, is really the, the robot uprising is, is secondary to the main story. Right. It's the it, it's all about this family coming together in the midst of this this catastrophe which the catastrophe I, is second which i actually really like that idea that because like you well, like we said at the top there's nothing really new under the sun and so take this family comedy and just throw it in the most ridiculous situation right and let's see what happens right um let's talk uh, uh let's get into some of the specifics of the story so one of the things that i really loved is uh so the main character Katie is uh, she's going to film school and she's very eccentric. Like we said, but I loved her home movies. Oh, her home movies are great. I really love them. I really like, I was really wishing that like, I wish when I was that, when I was young and you know, whatnot, that I actually would have had sort of the confidence to embrace my, my eccentricities. Uh huh. I mean, I did in a sense, but not to that level. You know, sometimes I watch the movies like this and I get real jealous of the characters because it's like, man, I wish I could have had that confidence. Yeah. You know, I was quite the filmmaker when I was in middle school. And that's one that's one thing that I think I really appreciated about this film is that it felt 
<laughs> felt like home. Right. Right. Uh, in a lot of ways, like my parents got me a video camera when I was in middle school and I was, I wrote a star Wars trilogy. Nice. I wrote episodes. Wait for it. 10, 11 and 12. Nice. Uh, because I knew right. That Lucas had planned for nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and filmed them and they're shitty, but they exist. Uh, and yeah, I I was like, I made, I I had an alien movie that I called the silent visitors and I made these little aliens out of aluminum foil and duct tape and would paint them and like use fishing wire to like move them around and stuff. And they crashed on earth in a a escape pod made out of a five gallon bucket. Uh, (laughs) yeah, it was. I so wish, I so wish I would have done so. I wish I would have had something like that. Me, I just read books. Yeah, well, which is also fantastic, right? Because now you're an author. So in a lot of ways, you're still doing the same thing. Yeah, that's true. I'm creating my I'm creating my own little world place thing. Yeah. Apparatus. Uh, the family dog uh, is named Manchi. Yeah, uh, that dog is. Wow. <laughs> he makes me laugh, man. Uh, I love that dog. I, I love that dog. So ultimately one of the things that ends up saving the day is that the robots have a hard time figuring out if this dog who's a pug is a dog a cat or a loaf of bread a dog a pig or a loaf uh, of yeah bread. you're right a dog a pig or a loaf of bread and and it just kind of short circuits out their programming right when they're trying to like identify it um had had i known that that's all we needed to do then i mean john Carner wouldn't have had to worry about anything yeah um, additionally, the family ends up making friends with two robots, uh, who have an accident in the initial uprising. Right. And so they also have a sort of a short circuit and they're not aggressive. They get kind of detached from the PAL system. Right. And yep. these two are, uh, they go by Eric and Deborah bot 5,000. Uh, <laughs> I like how they draw their faces on. Yeah. They're like, Oh, thank God. Those robots are gone. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and these two uh, robots are played by Beck Bennett and Fred Armisen, two SNL alum. Oh, Beck Bennett's still on there, but um, and, and these course, two are fantastic. And Beck, ben- and Beck Bennett is even um, he's in um, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and yeah, he's hilarious in that. He's he good. is hilarious in that. He's one of the better cast members now, like of the second tier of SNL cast members. Once you get down past like uh, Cecily Strong and. Uh, keenan and you know those folks right um, once you go once once you get to level two yeah the, beck bennett is is near the top of that list and he's a he's a very funny kind of jason bateman type right he's a straight man usually i love jason bateman. um he's no bradley whitford but no he's, he's no bradley awesome. whitford uh but yeah so beck bennett and fred armison who i think are very funny as these robots and uh from the robots the family learns that yeah they can stop this all they have to do is get to either the headquarters or any like retail store will allow them to upload the kill code. Um, so they decide to go to this mall and this is one of the, like this scene where they get to the mall and all of the appliances and everything that have the PAL operating system turn on them is fantastic. It true. And it, it, it should freak us the hell out yeah. as well, because like how long until we get to this point? Like, also seriously. the Furby uprising. Oh, I've been waiting for the Furby uprising for the last almost 30 years. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've been um, awaiting this. And I, I love I love the dialogue of the Furby as well. Back to the void with me. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> like that shit's so funny. Um yeah, so the shopping mall scene is really good. Of course, in order to take all of the appliances offline, they have to destroy the Wi-Fi router. And that means that their upload of the kill code is stopped short. And so then the family has to make their big play on the headquarters in Silicon Valley. That's right. And this is when uh, we get, you know, we, the uh, pal has now like tapped into security footage from all of the places where the Mitchells have been and blah, 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 blah. So she has all of the dirt on them, you know, and she uses it. And I'll tell you the truth. Um, Katie, Katie's kind of a, well, Katie, I think as much of a dick as her dad is, I love one thing that I really love that this film does is that it shows that there's two sides to every story where, yeah, the dad doesn't get it, but the dad sort of, the, the dad sort of made a decision for his family to not live his dream. And he doesn't want his daughter to go through that. And while he may be going about it the wrong way, it's like, you know, you could try a little bit harder to try to understand your dad, too. And I think it sort of shows. Well, I think he could do a bit of a better job explaining to her. His oh, absolutely. Position. Well, that, well, that's why I mean as well. It shows like he's two the sides adult to- in the situation, right? Like it's on. I think it's on him to explain his concerns. I mean, yeah, no, I totally understand that. But I mean, what the one thing, though, is that when he is noticeably trying, she's still kind of being, you know, a selfish jackass. And that's what, that's what we do at that age. It's all about oh, yeah, us. For sure. Yeah. She's a teenager. Yeah. And I mean, so, I mean, but I like the fact that it sort of shows that there can be fault on both sides. Like each person can be right, but can still be at fault. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's, that is a nice balance that it strikes. And, you know, the fact that he sold the old cabin and got the little wooden moose for her, like that token. I mean, this is the, a lot of films do this, especially uh, kids movies where they have the token that's supposed to mean something. And then the kid, like in an act of rebellion, kind of throws it out but without realizing really what it meant. Right. Um, and then she learns, you know, through looking at old videotapes and stuff that, you know, that was that's from the old cabin. I love the fact that they still have like the old school camcorder. Yeah, now that that was something that I really appreciated because when he would have been, when she would have been a child, that would have been the kind of camcorder that they had. Right. Right. It was like a, like a super eight or a, um, like a mini DV type camcorder, but like a handheld camcorder. She wasn't just doing everything on her phone. Right. Uh, She was doing some stuff on it, but she was also still using that handheld camcorder, which was cool. Mm-hmm. and that like the sorry the, the old, sip of tea. yeah no like the old uh home movie nerd that i was uh appreciated that detail that even though she is very much a modern contemporary teenager and she does do a lot of stuff on her phone and does a lot of editing and stuff on her phone um most of what she does for her big projects like dog, the dog cop series uh <laughs> is done on a old on physical media which is cool and I'll tell you the truth. It makes sense. I mean, I, I really love the fact that I guess now it could be considered retro tech, yeah. I guess. But I mean, retro still has a huge place in our technology. Yeah. I mean, it, there, all of this stuff comes back into fashion, right? I mean, and even 
you know, Zack Snyder, who has the, another really big movie on Netflix right now, An Army of the Dead, you know, much is made about how he uses, uh, he does reel-to-reel type filming, you know, mm-hmm. um, on a lot of those projects and uses weird lenses and old cameras and stuff to get particular looks. Uh, obviously, vinyl has made a big comeback in the last few years. Yeah, and I'm so happy about that because I love vinyl. Um, uh, I just got, I received my copy of the limited edition hard ticket to Hawaii soundtrack on vinyl just this week. Nice. That is so cool. Yeah. It's so. a hard ticket to Hawaii. It's wild, man. It's the entire soundtrack, including the instrumental like score. Nice. That um, sounds awesome. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, um, I want to talk a little bit about the, neighbors who don't play a huge role here ultimately they're just kind of the picture perfect couple you know and i, <laughs> I actually really like that they cast chrissy Teigen and john legend in this role yeah i mean who else are you really gonna pick because i mean they are like the the quintessential quote-unquote perfect couple that's out there in pop culture are they yeah not? i feel like you know how everybody's like oh god if so and so and so and so can't make it can anybody you know like i really do feel like that about those two yeah like if if they if I were to ever hear that Chrissy Teigen and John Legend had like split up, I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, not yeah. that it's that important to me, really. But I just feel when I look at them, I feel like they're incredibly happy. Together. Hey, if they can't, if they're not going to make it, is anyone going to make it? I don't think so. That's the day that the plotaholics goes off the air. Oh, I'm shit, holding don't. this show hostage. Don't say that because now tomorrow <laughs> they divorce, and it's like, well, guess the show's over. I'm holding it hostage. Now, what am I going to do with my Sundays? (laughs) I mean, just watch what you want to and not be forced to watch cartoons anymore. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Um, Not not have to watch the Joss Whedon cut again this week. Oh, yeah, that's that's. (laughs) I mean, if there's ever a week for us to go off, it's this week. (laughs) That's a that's this MF spitting. Uh, have you watched this is a little off topic have you watched um modok no i have not watched modok yet it's pretty good i don't give it a whirl because well, here's the thing i was never really that into modok well he, he wasn't my favorite character yeah so i mean, I mean me either so modok is a combination of robot chicken and the harley quinn series okay it is it's a it's essentially a family sitcom with a marvel supervillain as the head of household that's hilarious yeah uh but it's seth green is even attached as a producer but it's it's filmed in that very robot chicken action figure stop motion sort of style that's Um, pretty cool yeah it's not bad we've watched a couple of episodes of it it's pretty funny i'll give it a Pat oswald does the voice of uh modog now i gotta watch it yeah i love Patton. i love Patton oswald Patton oswald is the voice of modog and his son is played by uh ben schwartz who did uh who was Jean Ralphio in Parks and Rec? I don't know that you have watched that. Mm, no, I, I think I've watched like an episode of Parks and Rec. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you know Ben Schwartz from other stuff, or at least his voice. He does. Oh yeah, work. he was. Um, let me see. Hold on. Let me double check. Let me check out his filmography. I'm sure. All right, he was in the other guys. Man. All right, he's in the other guys. Okay, he was in the interview. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, was he Sonic the? Oh, he was Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, yeah, 
we also watched Cruella this weekend. How was that? Pretty good. It was pretty good. All right, it was, cool. It was too long, probably, but it was pretty good. <laughs> but did we really need a no, Cruella no. Deville origin story? No, I answer that uh, question the same way every time. No, um, no, we didn't need a Joker origin story either. <laughs> oh no, we did. like she's a she's a like. Do we really care how she became this animal hating demon? No, no, no we don't. We, I don't. I don't at all. But it was cool, and I do like Emma Stone a lot. So. Emma Stone is fun. Emma Stone is an awesome actress, even though she's one of those actors. She's one of those thespians that they play the same. It seems like they have the same character over and over. They're just playing themselves in different situations. And usually that irks me, but there's something about her personality that just it fits. Well, I would I would say that Cruella is a bit of a departure. It's interesting because it gives her because one of the central sort of conceits of the film is that she's playing d- double parts, right? So she works for this fashion designer in disguise and she is as, a, as uh, in disguise as herself named Stella. And then she creates this alter ego Cruella to become a rival of that person. Right. So she, mm. she plays herself kind of when she's Stella, but she gets to create this sort of villainous uh, counterpoint as Cruella, which I think is interesting. So then why does she decide to start skinning dogs? Well, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even really sure that we got to that uh, by the end of the film, but um, maybe just absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And yeah, um, I mean, she does have a moment where she's like, you know, they would make really cool coats. Um, like they would make beautiful coats or whatever, but uh, I mean, it is good. It's, it's a compelling story <laughs> and it's, it is well done. And I like her and I love the character design on, on the Cruella character in the film so well i like that stingray is in it oh yeah stingray from a uh, cobra kai is in it is like one of her friends right 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 yeah cobra kai still got to get on still got to get on that hey man terry silver is coming back this season all right i'm pumped yeah because if a man can't stand he can't fight if a man can't breathe he can't fight and if a man can't see he can't fight yeah Right. So the end of uh, <laughs> Mitchell's versus the machines. Sees oh, yeah, we the, are talking about that. Yeah. Sees the family Don like it's sort of a uh, a new hope kind of bit. Right. Like they all dress as the robots to sneak into the big uh, headquarters. Yep. And then, of course, um, pal shows how, you know, mean Katie is and dad like can't kind of handle it and it. comes apart and, you know, jeopardizes the whole mission but then we get the all we get the awesome linda mitchell kill bill moment man i will tell you that this bit might be my favorite the lavender one has found us (laughs) (laughs) i love the fact that like all the killer robots are deathly afraid of her yeah so they uh another like branch of robots sort of evolve and they are not they're immune from the confusion because they're able to use the pug to confuse most of the robots but these new killer robots they're like we know the difference between dog and pig and loaf of bread (laughs) (laughs) and so the other ones are coming out and then they're like you know the kids are getting hurt and then the mom yeah they they capture the they capture the brother they capture air yeah they capture the little brother and then they're getting they're, they're starting to capture um um katie and the mom sees it and freaks 
out. Yeah, and just like start slicing these guys up. She's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm I, a first we, grade we, teacher. This is like every day for me. <laughs> I love the fact that we got the Kill Bill siren. Right. I also love that even though in a film like this, they can't show like blood spatter and stuff. She gets like the oil splatter on her face. <laughs> it's dope. Like that action sequence is real dope. Um, and so um, the uh, I was going to call him Kenny Powers. Uh, Rick, <laughs> the <laughs> father uh, gets captured and, and his cell is right next to Mark, the creator of Pal. So uh, he realizes that if he can get to sort of the central control room, that he can play dog cop off of Yub Tub uh, <laughs> or YouTube, right? He can play dog cop off of YouTube on all of the monitors in the center and all of the robots will freak out. He just doesn't know how to use the internet at all. <laughs> uh, but lucky the enough, they all, he, lucky enough, he bought, everyone in the family this particular screwdriver this is his like very like ron swanson i know you don't get that reference necessarily but it's, yeah it's, but he's like very super, handyman sort of yeah he's practical super, right yeah he's very very practical sort of um survivalist be prepared for everything type of guy and so everyone in the family has the same screwdriver and it just so happens to be the screwdriver that will open the control panel inside of these uh pods so Who he carries that out. type of thing in his pocket at all times? <laughs> so I do. He gets out and Linda gets out. And then on the way, that's when Linda starts fighting the robots. But he gets in the uh, control center and he's ultimately able to, he's, he's almost captured by a reprogrammed uh, Deborah Bot 5000 and, uh, Eric. and Eric. And, <laughs> and, uh, but because he's trying to use the computer, they're like, oh, my God, you changed your programming. We can change our programming. And so they they play the dog cop and the dog freaks all the robots out. That's hilarious. And uh, but, you know, Katie, who is making her play at Pal uh, is almost killed when she like the car falls from like a really tall height. But her dad ends up saving her with the robot uh, technology, right? The robots in their arms, they have this like anti-gravity thing that they can do. And he catches right. her before she hits the ground. Um, and the other funny thing is like when they catch the car and the dog is still in it, <laughs> like that one robot is about to fall on the robot and the robot catches the car. And then the dog rolls out of the side right and out. it freaks yeah. the robot out. <laughs> And it crushes. I like love that how that dog is, is so just, funny. I love how that dog is just cross-eyed and goofy. But again, I had a moment where it's like, all right, so the dog is strapped into a car seat on the hood of the car. I'm like, why isn't this dog dead? Well, I mean, it wasn't hitting a bunch of stuff. I mean, it should have been like pooping in its pants, but um, it wearing pants, Shane. <laughs> well, it should have been pooping its butthole. There you go. Let the poop escape your butthole. Um so ultimately like dad saves Katie and now they are both like silver surfering up to the main headquarters, right. Uh, mm -hmm. To destroy pal. Um, they are swarmed by a bunch of killer robots. That's when mom shows up and kind of saves the day. Katie gets there, grabs pal and tries to throw her in a swimming pool. And this is also a really funny bit too, right? Like it is. Pal is going to fall in the swimming pool, but then like bounces off of an umbrella and they're like, Monchi, like, catch it, right? Like, you can do this. And, like, and the Monchi dog forces its eyes straight. 
for right. a split second. And it still bounces off of Manchu's nose. And then she thinks she's safe, but it bounces into a glass of water. And that's such a, like, that's such an, an overdone bit, but it's still funny every time. Like you missed the swimming pool and still got in the little glass of water. Which was absolutely hilarious. And it's like, yep, well, for all this technology, water still destroys it. Right. It's just like signs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> why would you? And again, why would you try to take over a planet that's made up of over 70% of what can kill you? I don't know. I really like that movie. But um, I just love the fact that a Joaquin Phoenix just goes beast mode with a baseball bat. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Mitchells versus the Machines. Anything else that you want to mention here before we uh, move on? Really, really appreciated and enjoyed about this movie too is that I'm loving how films are starting to become sort of like the sexuality of characters are not a big deal. It's just who they are it's, it's effortlessly not representative right exactly and i'm really enjoying that a lot of shows like you know even as recently as five years ago is that they had to force someone's sexuality down your throat yeah but here it's and now it's just offhand like are you bringing and and she just and she doesn't even say your girlfriend right yeah she just says are you bringing her home is it a thing now like, yeah, is it official? Yeah, and it's and like the family oh, is happy about it and supportive, which is right. Also no, really one, great. and it's like it's sort of like, see, this character, this character's gay. They're gay. See, no one cares. It, it it's it's nice because for so long the only uh, LGBTQ storylines that we ever got were like coming out storylines, right? Uh, but now it's nice to see that these characters are just who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a plot point, really. Yeah, it doesn't because it doesn't need to be. It doesn't like it's just who she is. Right. And family's cool with it. And that's awesome. Right. Um, and, you know, um, the same goes for and I was watching. This is so weird that I was watching this yesterday, but I was watching the Rugrats reboot. Oh, that's out now. That is nice. out. Yeah, it's on Paramount Plus and uh, the. Yeah, uh, Phil and Lil's mom, who was always a single mother in the original run of the show, they never mentioned their father. Um, she's uh, made to be uh, well. Who was Howard? Who was Howard? Was Chucky's dad? No, 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 no. no that's really? Chaz. That's Chaz. But I always thought that yeah, Howard was their dad. Howard. Yeah, Howard was Phil and Lil's dad, wasn't he? He was that weird look. He was like yet another. Oh look. right, right, right. Yeah, he was. I forgot about that guy. He's not even in the new one. Oh, so Phil and Lil's mom is it's no longer implied. Right. Uh, she just is. She just is. But at the same time, like they just mentioned that this is how it's introduced. Right. They're talking about a band is reuniting that they all used to go see when they were in college or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says something like, oh, I haven't thought about that since I broke up with what's her face or whatever. And it's just like an offhand comment like that, you know, um, which is kind of nice. But yeah, F- uh, Howard, uh, who I completely forgot clearly they aren't missing anything by not having him there um cool i mean hey that's awesome i'll I'll have to check it out yeah Um, every time every time i have paramount on it's for bubble guppies bubble guppies yeah because oh it's got to be a kid like a baby thing 
Yep. Granddaughter comes over. Bubble, 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 gotcha. bubble. I will say, like, I've only watched. Uh, so the first episode is 45 minutes. It's like a, a double episode. Okay. Um, and I watched some of it, and it's it's pretty true to the original. Like it's all it's CGI, obviously it's computer animated now and 3D, but it's still like pretty true to the original in terms of the voices and the shenanigans that they get into and everything. Like it's kind of nice, and there are a lot of throwbacks. Like there's Reptar and Cynthia and stuff like that. It's all still there. Is it the same theme music? No, 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 yeah, it is, right, cool. and it's not all even right. updated in that annoying Save by the Bell way. All right, good. I will watch that and enjoy it because I love the Rugrats. I enjoyed them too. Um, I was I've been thinking a lot about those old Nicktoons and how I loved those Nicktoons when I was growing up. But other Same than here. Ren and Stimpy, like in Rocco's Modern Life, they were all kind of boring. <laughs> like yeah. that, like Doug was a drag, bro. But I love Doug though. I, mean, I liked I, Doug too, but he was so boring. He he was about basic. Like Skeeter was awesome. Like the <laughs> love interest in Doug's name is Mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised our middle name wasn't Raisins. Patty Raisin Mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> I like Skeeter though. <laughs> I did like Skeeter and I liked the neighbor, okay, but they were all that show was so Mr. Boring. Dink. Mr. Honestly, Dink. hey Arnold was a more interesting version of Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Hey you know, Arnold was good. Ren and Stimpy had no business being on Nickelodeon. <laughs> no. I don't know who fell asleep on that, but I don't know. But I tell you what, that had no business being on there. What was Whenever your favorite you, episode of Rand Stimpy? Uh, you know, I don't even, I can't remember. I I rewatched all of Ren and Stimpy a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, and they all just kind of like Blur wash together. over me. But I, but definitely when I was what this was the first time I had revisited it since I had been an adult, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, like what? Did they get away? How did they do this? I know. Like, how did you get away with this on Nickelodeon? It's Sunday at like 11 o'clock. Yeah. Like, I mean, how? they did put it on late at night, at least. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. Because sometimes Nick. Um, yeah. Because sometimes Ren and Stimpy. At first, Ren and Stimpy was on Sundays in like the late morning, early afternoon. Then it moved to Snick at like yeah. eight, eight o'clock. Because it, it was like, what? What, what else? Because I know it was I know it was Ren and Stimpy and Are You Afraid of the Dark was Snick. They were yeah. It, so uh, uh, Snick was the Snick lineup was Keenan and Kel. All that. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark and Ren and Stimpy? Right. Um, hold on, I'm about to uh, slice go, you off some Ren here. and Stimpy. We're going we're going down a Ren and Stimpy rabbit hole. My favorite episode, by the way, was when Cousin Sven came to visit. I love that episode. Uh, I don't. I don't really remember it. I, I don't. Like I said, Oli. I have. Okay. He is Oli. You are Sven. He <laughs> is Oli. You are Sven. Okay, so I know you can't see it, but this dude just like cheese grated his skin off. <laughs> well, good for him. Sometimes you. Sometimes you have to. All right, here we go. Now, what was it? Because yeah, because um, Ren thought that um. Sven was going to be just like him, but instead he's like a Ren version of Stimpy. Wasn't it like powdered toast, man? Yes. And he and, flew backwards and he and was did, a priest. And didn't he like, what was the one that would like throw, like put his nipples on people's eyes? Oh, I think it was the rubber nipple salesman guy. Or the I horse. I follow my intellectual pursuits. Oh, this is Sven. Record. 
covered in bubble gum. Bubble gum. <laughs> You should have rare incurable, incurable diseases! <laughs> Violated! No! no! Oh. Dinosaur droppings! Painted, painted like, like Easter eggs! Idiots! He's so pissed. Oh, my part. You. And pokes him in the eyeball. <laughs> it's so bad he just gets chill. Like I love it. <laughs> Who hasn't been there? <laughs> like oh, uses what like you just simmer. Do do do. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. <laughs> You just get so mad, you just mellow out. Yeah. First, I'm gonna tear I'm your lips out. out. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> and then I'm gonna. He's got cut. <laughs> now your eyes out. Yeah. It sounds like I just pooped your pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is that show is so rugged. Is Ren? Oh, the sockets. <laughs> then I'm. Oh, is it? Then I'm gonna hit you, and <laughs> you're gonna fall. Also, I really, I love. So I like Ren and Stimpy a lot, but my favorites were. Rocco and the Angry Beavers is way underrated. See, I never watched um Angry Beavers because it just kind of the wordplay was too on the nose for me. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but they but they were actual beavers. Um true. Like it wasn't about like angry pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> um but Touché. Angry Beavers was a trip to me. Like they did a, they did such good. They would watch shitty movies on Angry Beavers, and you could see they would watch these old black and white movies, and you could see the boom mic in them and stuff. It was so funny. Nice. Um, see, that's what I miss about. See, whenever you know we're talking about like the old stuff and everything. Like whenever you see like the reruns of Beavis and Butthead and everything, some of the best parts of Beavis and Butthead they cut out, and that's when they're watching the um videos oh right because they don't have the rights to the songs Whoever yeah and it really sucks because those videos sometimes the the word the, the just the discussion in the videos are the best thing yeah you know it's it's just so great um i could go Mitchell's back versus the machine yeah we were talking about Ryan, mitchell's versus uh the machine. like we said it was released it did have a limited theatrical release on april 23rd. for only a week for yeah. like a week uh, but then it released on Netflix on April the 30th. It With was a budget of between 50 and 100 million. Yeah, you don't have to. I guess you don't have to. Well, when you're Netflix, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, in terms of reporting numbers, uh, the fudge them how you want this. Yeah. Let me see if I can track down how it did in its week run. It made a couple of bucks. 
Yeah, it probably did okay. Two or three um, bucks for a week. It. Um, I have no information. That sucks. You know what's yeah. crazy though is that as everything is opening up, like they're really pushing going back to business as usual in a lot of ways. And I think yeah. that's going to hurt things. I think that we need to maintain, you know, I mean, do it at the same time. Why not? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that we eventually need to go back to the old way of theatrical releases. I mean, I'm a, I, I guess I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, there's, there'll be some movies that I like enough that I'm, that intrigue me enough that I'm going to go to the movies to watch it. Yeah. There's others that it's just like, I'll wait till it streams. Yeah, we're we're talking about when we're gonna go back to the theater for the first time, um, and we almost went Thursday to see a, a Quiet Place too. Oh yeah, um, I'm I'm probably gonna be going to go see Luca. Um, I told basically um, we're gonna be doing a father son edition of Tan Talks in July. Yeah, because my my mini me, well, not so many anymore is he 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 loved he still think you know I, i'm so grateful to still be at the level that i'm a superhero yeah and my my kid loves the fact that i do a podcast That's and cool. and he loves the fact that it's a film review podcast and he had such a kick helping us review hobbs and shaw when he mm-hmm. was here for his last visit before covid ruined everything yeah that he goes and he was like, well, I want to be on your podcast again. You know, can you do it like you did before? And I said, no, we're not really doing live shows anymore, bud. I said, but we do have other programming under our platform. Yeah. I do one called Tan Talks. And he was like, oh, he was like, there's a movie I want to see called Luca. Can we do a father-son edition of, of uh, Tan Talks? And I was like, yes, we can. Yeah, that, that'll be great. I'm excited. Yeah, so that's probably when I'm going to go to the movies again for the first time. Yeah, because he, he and I'll both be vaccinated. And, um, you know, of course, he I, I made sure to let it be known that make sure you have your mask because I don't trust people because human beings suck. Yeah. <laughs> so. So that, um, that, that, that so that's going to be, you know, so some of that. So as far as talking about going back to the old ways and blah, 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 that's definitely going to be happening. Yeah. Um just to to sort of wrap things up you mentioned the 98% tomato meter the audience score you didn't mention you said it was lower than you thought it would be it was, it's it's 89% I thought, still it would, only, I thought it would still be in the 90s though to that's be honest that's still only a 1000 ratings though like that's not a, a ton yeah and that's only within a month i just i sincerely thought that with all the hype that came around this film that there would be a higher you know, yeah, people are hard. Film. People, I think that that critics are pretty forgiving for animated films for the most part, and uh, general audiences are more critical of them uh, because the people that this movie is actually for will not rate this movie on Rotten Tomatoes because they are children. <laughs> That's a good point. That is a very good point. By the time they are old enough to rate them, the ratings aren't going to matter. Right. Um, but yeah, so that is, uh, the Mitchells versus the machines. Let's get bartender smiley in here and we will do some ratings for you. Okay. The Plotaholics rating system for the movies. is a pretty simple system. Basically they rate movies based on how many shots it takes to get through them. So if you got a good movie and you get through it all the way sober, then it takes zero shots to get through the movie. And then if you got a really bad movie, then it could take up to five shots to get through the whole thing. I think you can try to figure out the middle part yourself. So what can I get you? 
Um, so there is that. Uh, I mean, so, okay. I think that this movie for what it is is basically perfect, but it's also a retread of a formula that we've seen a billion times, you know? Agreed. Uh, we're not looking for anything in like incredibly inventive here. I love the animation style. I think that visually it is interesting to look at. It's more interesting than a lot of other animated films that are animated in this style. Like I said at the top, the every frame is more, it seems more alive than it does in a lot of other films, including Pixar films. Pixar definitely has the story stuff down. Um, Pixar tells incredibly inventive and compelling stories. We talked about soul a couple of weeks ago. That, that film is a, a much like more, uh, I don't know. It's a much more intriguing concept and a more appealing, like it's, it's more complex, right? Um, a psychological, uh, philosophical film overall than this movie. This movie is a family road trip gone wrong. Right. Um, and it's and it's also the type of film that isn't taking itself or its premise too seriously. It's just it's it's having a good time. Yeah. Uh, so I say that uh, the Mitchells versus the machines. I mean, it's it's probably a zero shot rating for me. It's fun enough. It's it's fun to look at. It's easy to watch. It's funny. Um, it is it's not trying to be anything that it's not. Uh, and for that reason, I think that it is uh, probably as good a animation as good an animated film as i've seen this year i can get down with that um i really look at this film as well for one i'm giving it a one shot rating yeah and the one thing that i will say is that while it's a ton of fun it does a lot of things right I think that it hits really close to home in so many ways as far as like, let's be honest, every family is going to have some sort of drama to it and blah, blah, blah. This film, you know, embraces it. It shows you good stuff with it. It takes it to a good level. But then also at the same token, at least me for someone who's got dysfunction in their family and blah, blah, blah. Is this family really that dysfunctional? Are they really? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's they're not they're they're not the freaking Bundys for God's well, sake. I, at the same time, I mean, again, a kids' movie isn't going to. Ex- I mean, this isn't Shameless. True. You know, I mean, like but, if you want to talk about real dysfunction, I don't think that you look to this genre for that. Yeah, but I mean, I think my only thing is, and I know I'm, I'm nitpicking. I'm, I'm I'm nitpicking part. I'm partially nitpicking, so. I'm not give so we're not giving the same grade every single solitary week. <laughs> but um I will say this though, it is great fun. There are aspects of the movie that I did kind of have an issue with, and it's all stuff that you know it's it's practical stuff that really it's an animated film and it's sort of a quit taking it so seriously, asshole. It's just these these are just little things that I couldn't look past. Yeah, you know, the the dog should be dead. I'm sorry. If you're going 45, 50 miles an hour, your dog, number one, I don't care how simple it is, isn't just going to sit in a car seat. It's going to be doing everything it can to get free, and then it's going to die. But <laughs> it's a lovely movie. The, the visuals are stunning. I love the pop culture references. I love the use of, you know, just older tech. I love, I love the retro tech. I love this film. It is so much fun. 
It is so much fun. There's just the little things about it that I just can't look past. And it's nothing against that. That's a me problem. But that's a grumpy adult problem. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is that as one half of this empire that we've built, I can build that hill and sit upon it in a lawn chair and and enjoy it. And I and, and yeah, and I can die there while shaking my fist at the animated cloud. That's right. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And uh, and that is your prerogative. It's the way that I want to live. I um, do just what I feel. You, you will not be taking any tapioca balls in your tea. No, I will not. I will be having regular loose leaf organic tea from Full Leaf Tea Company. There you go. And next week, Brian, we will be uh, doing what every other podcast in the world did uh, about a month ago. Uh, <laughs> well, we just do, well, either we're doing it. We're too cool to do it on time or we just don't care. Yeah. I'm our homework assignment just... is late. <laughs> and you know what? We're OK with that because you should be happy that we bothered to turn it in. Yeah. In fact, given this particular pacing, you can expect our army of the dead episode sometime in November. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we just do it on Christmas? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh God. I love us. I love us so much. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I mean, honestly, for sure. I mean, the Mitchells versus the machines is a month old as well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, how long, how long do we push past tenant just to make sure it was economically viable? Right. Yeah. So, but next week we will be starting our showdown summer where we pit reboots or remakes or long awaited sequels mm-hmm. uh, against their originals. Against their originals. Yeah. And we'll be kicking things off with the Joss Whedon steaming pile of poop uh, by pitting that film against the Zack Snyder slightly less steaming pile of poop. Uh, but you do have to sit through it twice as long. God. What a long poop. Yeah, that, that's a Randy Marsh breaking the record poop right there. Yeah, so I'll be spending literally one half of one day this week watching these movies. Yeah, I want to see how long I can get Sharon to sit still and leave me alone to watch this, watch these movies. Yeah, honestly, back. what will probably happen is I'll probably watch the Whedon cut one day and then mm-hmm. I'll watch the Snyder cut as episodes over a few days. That's actually not a bad idea. And I like the way he breaks it up. So yeah. I mean, do he does that. make it possible to do that. Uh, I mean, when we watched it the first time, we watched it over two days. I actually just put it on and watched it. Like yeah. at certain points, like I just had it on in the background yeah. and just sort of looking up. But, oh, by the way, the one thing that I do want to sort of throw in here as well. Shout out to Blake Griffin yeah. as pal Max Prime in, right. um, in this film. Um, yeah, but I anyway, and, and Conan and Conan O'Brien as well. Like, but anyway, yeah. Um, I'm. I like that they cast a real dog to play Manchi. Yeah, you know, you don't see that enough in the animated film. Doug the pug. Shout out to Doug the pug. Absolutely. Who's you know cr- what? Cr- I want. I want a cross-eyed dog that does absolutely nothing. Uh, Doug the pug has done oh just a lot of uh, music videos. It looks like. You know what? Why couldn't it have been chocolate rain? Uh, well, because Rihanna never sampled that in a song. Touche, sir. Touche. Um, 
But anyway, uh, that no, is I, gonna... I am, no, I am excited to begin our summer movie showdown because yeah. this is going to be great. And I'm excited for a lot of the flicks that we're going to be doing because um, Sharon, I don't think she's watched Justice League. I can't. And so it'll be fun to sort of, re, you know, watch that with her because, yeah. you know, one of my favorite things since we've begun this plotaholic's journey is watching particular movies with Sharon. Yeah, because see. What I usually do, and I haven't made a secret about this, usually we're watching stuff on the laptop and then I'm playing video games on the big TV. Yeah. But when we're watching stuff for the show, especially if it's something that I haven't seen before, I put it on the big TV. And it'll be fun to explore these films in the big TV because usually otherwise I'm watching stuff on a computer screen, whether right. it's the laptop or whether it's on my um, computer monitor. So I'll be excited to do that. I'm excited for some of the other flicks that are going to be involved in this. I'm excited to do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films. Yep. I'm excited to do um, Bad News Bears because I really, I love revisiting films from the 70s with dialogue and such that there's no way it would fly today. But I just like the simplicity. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be a good summer. I, I really think so. Um I'm sorry that Kaiju School is dead, but I mean, well, know. we don't know that Kaiju School is dead. We're just not. Shane, it's dead. <laughs> it's dead. Come on. Who are we kidding here? Well, maybe in a couple of years we can revive it. Kong versus Godzilla killed it. Yeah. I just didn't want to not use the footage that we recorded. That's a good point. I mean, also, but you know, I feel like if you don't have an episode two, then it makes episode one look silly. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, the one good thing about it is that we can get drunk reviews again. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, if I ever get to the, like, it's such a precarious uh, journey to a drunk review. Oh, I can imagine. Um, like, there's really a balancing act that you have to strike as you're watching those movies uh, to be able to do it at the end, you know? Oh, no, I, I totally dig it. And I mean, you know, at some point, you know. Well, I, you know I do want to do. I've I've got an idea that I want to do drunk review a drunk review series of either all of the Harry Potter movies or all of the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you know, that's a series that I'm surprised we have not visited on this show. Fast, and the, the, Fast Furious? and the Furious films. Yeah. Or the Harry Potter films for that matter. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a, always there's always time. Like I said a few weeks ago, there's never we're never gonna run out of movies. That's true. Uh, but anyway, we're gonna scoot on out of here, and uh, because I I assume next week is gonna be long. So <laughs> yeah, this week's gonna be long, and um, yeah, no no reason to wait. Might as well just jump in on it with both feet and start a fictitious company from the ground up that sells widgets. And there's Thornton Melling getting. Oh, sorry. Fell into another movie. Yep. It's time for me to consume. I can't say eat. I've got to go consume. Yeah. You've got to go drink. (laughs) Yeah. This juice fast is driving me crazy. We are halfway through now, right? We are halfway there living on a prayer. And tomorrow I'm going to a cookout. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. So I'm just going to be taking a carton of milk. And a jug of my um, protein, my plant-based superfood infused protein. Whew. You should just take a blender and blend up a steak. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. 
<laughs> I wish it did. Just two more weeks. I can do this. I am. What is going to be the first real food that you eat after you get finished with this? I can't even think about it. <laughs> but right. if I had to force myself to choose, I'm getting barbecue. I'm getting ribs. I'm getting ribs. I'm going to get me some ribs. I don't care if they're country style. I don't care if they're baby back. I don't care if they're spare. I don't care how the ribs are done. I don't care as long as they don't care if they belong to a human child. No, I do not. (laughs) I will eat the ribs of young Gregory. I don't care. I just want ribs. Ribs. God damn it. Ribs. Wow. Okay. All right. (laughs) I think it's time for us to go. I've just agreed to eating a child. This Not is the terrible. whole child, although here on the Plotaholics, we do advocate for using the entire child. We don't want to waste any food. Oh, God, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> there, here um, comes the accountability posts. Yeah, you can check out Plotaholics.com for more infant recipes. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. I'm such a horrible person, and I think it's the lack of physical food in my stomach. That's making me very, very emotional on this topic. All right. Well, Brian's uh, going to go weep because he's got to eat young Gregory now. <laughs> and we will talk to you guys next week. Gregory, why? Take a trip with us to New Bob. Just promise not to drink the goo. Oh my God. If you get sucked into the Matrix. We will send the phone for you. Do you believe in fate? Sometimes the end game is the perfect place to start. We're in the end game now. And other times you want to pretend the prequels were never a real thing. Let's just pod race to the end. It's working! Every movie has a plot hole. Filled somehow Whiskey, wine, or blue milk Just don't cut me off right now We're the Plotaholics A breakfast club or two We are the Plotaholics Ripping plots apart for you Shane and Brian are an island Two real life misfit toys Wanting to be a Robocop Thank you for your cooperation Sailing for Black Circle Boys And just like Dr. Hammond Extracting amber from wood And later there's running and then screaming A little too busy asking if we could And never asking if we should But every movie has a plot hole And every hole gets filled somehow With whiskey, wine, or blue milk Just don't cut me off right now We're the Plotaholics A breakfast club of two We're the Plotaholics Ripping plots apart for you
Yeah? Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs>